Today is Promotion Sunday for us as a church. What that means, and for those that kind of grew up in church, you know that's a big day for some of our kids, but what that means is that tomorrow school starts, that's insane to me, for most of our our students that are involved in our campus, and so that means that as we're anticipating that the school system is recognizing them moving up, that we also recognize them moving up, and so for those that have been in preschool, we recognize them now as our kindergarten class, and they're, they're in their class right now and having a great time. For those that have completed kindergarten last year, they're moving up into first grade. But for us, that means they're moving into our grade school environment. And a lot of those kids are in the room today. You know, for our sixth grade class, rising sixth grade class, they're transitioning out of our children's ministry into our student ministry, which we'll talk about in a little bit. For those maybe that are eighth graders moving into ninth grade, they move from our middle school program to our high school program for uh, graduated seniors. If they haven't already disconnected from us and said, hey, you know, I'm going to college, you know, then they're transitioning into college and college ministry and really young adult ministry here at our campus. And it's an exciting time. It's an exciting time for those kids and those students. We know that. I remember being excited about the different transitions and promotions within school. I don't know how exciting it is for some of the parents Uh, We have, beginning tomorrow, a fourth grader, second grader, and kindergartner. And Tucker, our new kindergartner, he's pretty excited about it. He's not really sure about being away from mom all day. But mom is not excited about it at all. And, And she has devised a plan where we can actually homeschool all of our children. And we're not gonna do that. Um... But Promotion Sunday is a big deal for us as a church. It's, it's a big deal because we as a church have an ideology, we have a philosophy, we have a ministry passion around partnering with families to help children and students to really navigate life. And while Promotion Sunday is just one Sunday, we, in a 52-Sunday calendar year, We have a strategy, we have a plan that says we want to create ministry opportunities and experiences for kids from birth all the way through the end of high school and then transitioning them at some point along the way once they kind of navigate out of children's ministry into the larger lifeblood of our campus. And so we see students in this room any given Sunday, middle school, high school students, college students, we see them serving on our teams Uh, and trying to create opportunities for them to contribute and not to have to wait until they're old enough to do that. And so we have that philosophy, and that's really the reason that I've asked Pastor Trevor and Pastor Blake to join me today. They lead our ministry to the families. They lead our ministry to children and to students. And then they have other responsibilities even beyond that that are involved in the larger part of our campus, but their their primary responsibilities are in the areas of children and students. And so today we're going to talk a little bit about what that ministry looks like, because we view our role, based on what we just saw in that video, we view our role not as the primary disciplers of children, but as partners in the discipleship of children. You know, that video gave some incredible statistics. It says that for those that are really, really regular attenders of the church, that we have about 40 hours a year with your children. You as parents, if you're parents in the room, you have about 3,000 hours a year with your children. And we realize, and as a parent myself, I realize that not every one of those hours is spent opening up and reading the book of Leviticus so that we can memorize all of the ordinances of the grain offerings. We understand that. That was funnier than you gave it credit for right there. 
But we do understand that in the 3,000 hours you have with your children, that there's opportunity for you to be a far more effective discipler of your kids than we possibly can be. So we want to partner with you in meaningful ways. And what we do is we view our role as something that we see found in the book of 1 Samuel. If you got a Bible, you got an app, you want to flip there, we're going to just spend a moment there and, and we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 3. I want to read just two verses, really a part of one and then the whole verse in verse 9, part of verse 8 and verse 9, to talk about a little bit about a story. We'll watch a video so the kids can kind of catch up with us as well if, if maybe they don't understand what I'm saying. But this is what it says in 1 Samuel chapter 3 at the end of verse 8 and verse 9. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now let me set this up a little bit. Samuel is a, is a young boy who has been given by his parents back to God in a similar fashion of what we do when we do baby or child dedication here. We have a symbolic ceremony, a symbolic moment in our services where we dedicate children back to God. And maybe you've seen that or been a part of that here or at another place. But we do it symbolically. Samuel's mother did it very literally. She came and submitted herself to God, said, I see my child as a gift from you, which it really is if you read the story, a gift from you. And now I give this child back to you. And she left Samuel at the church. Now, some of you have done that too, but it was by accident, right? <laughs> but she left Samuel at the church. She left him in the care of Eli, who was the prophet of God. He was an old man. And in this story, we see that Samuel is laying down, Eli's laying down somewhere else, and Samuel hears a voice calling out to him, and then he goes to Eli, and yes, Eli, what did you need? And he says, no, I didn't call you, and they goes back. Well, yes, yes, Eli, what did you need? No, I, I still didn't call you. And then Eli perceives that God may be the one that's speaking to Samuel, and he tells him how to respond. We view our role as the church almost like Samuel's children's pastor, his youth pastor, Eli, that we want to partner with parents in helping the next generation hear the voice of God, discern, understand what God is saying, and learn how to respond to him. And we really view that as our role. I want you to turn your attentions to the screen for all ages, but maybe for our kids in the room today, and see this story played out a little more creatively than maybe I was able to do. I heard a number of you laughing during that video, which lets me know that you enjoyed it. And I just want to say, because I would be remiss to miss this opportunity, um, if you volunteer in children's ministry, you get to see videos like that all the time. That's true. So I just want to bring joy to your life <laughs> so we could partner together. Um, many of you know that I've got two kids, uh, Luke and Avery. And um, not very long after Avery was born, my wife Sarah and I, we decided to have her dedicated. And um, to, to meet some family obligations and some, some things to make it easy on some, some travel for um, our grandmothers, we decided to um, have Avery dedicated at my home church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. So we were still living in Jacksonville, Florida at the time. So we loaded up the truck and uh, we, we made the trek from Florida all the way to Tennessee and um, to celebrate the momentous occasion with our family and our friends that had gathered there that day. That Sunday during the dedication, the pastor, of course, called us up on the stage um, during the dedication ceremony. And as I was standing there, I was looking out over the congregation, and um, my middle school Sunday school teacher was seated halfway back right here in the middle. And right down front over here on the right-hand side were my high school life group 
um, leaders. And uh, right over here, there was a former youth pastor of mine. And, and then right back over here, there was another former youth pastor of mine. And then all the way up in the balcony on the very last row, there was my kids' church leader from when I was a kid. And it was under her ministry in 1988 at the age of, or, um, at the age of seven years old that I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And as we were going through this dedication ceremony and, and as we were praying over Avery and I was looking out over the congregation and seeing all these people, it, it hit me all of a sudden like a ton of bricks. See, I wasn't passing down the SNAP family legacy to Avery. I was passing down the legacy of Linda Colquitt and of Clyde and Jennifer Blevins. I was passing down the legacy of Larry Strunk and of Dan Harris and of Glenda Donahue. Those people that had poured into my life during my most formative years. I was taking the things that they had given me and I was taking and carrying them to the next generation. And not just my own kids, but the kids that the Lord had entrusted me with to minister to on a weekly basis. You see, it was, it was people like them who'd come along my side, or had, had come along the side of my parents to provide support, encouragement, care, and ministry to me and my family as I was growing up. And that's exactly the kind of environment that we hope to create here at Mount Pear in North Canton. We want to develop a partnership between our church and your family so that together we can raise up the next generation as fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. In the short time that we are entrusted with the care of your kids, we hope to create an environment where not only will they have the opportunity to hear God's voice, but where they will also be equipped to discern his voice and be obedient to it. This is what Proverbs 22.6 says. It says, teach your children to choose the right path. And when they are older, they will remain upon it. Studies done by organizations like the Barna Research Group and the International Bible Society have revealed that 83% of all Christians make their commitment to Christ somewhere between the ages of 4 and 14. It's what these scholars are now calling the 414 window. In America, a child inside the 414 window has a 32% probability of accepting Jesus Christ at some time during that span. But sadly, once a person moves beyond the 414 window, the probability at any point over the rest of their life for them to accept Christ drops from 32% down to about 5%. That statistic alone lends itself to the realization of why children's ministry, youth ministry, and family ministry is so integral in our efforts to reach the next generation and perpetuate the church's mission. I was given the opportunity to join the staff of Mount Perrin 11 months ago with the task of giving oversight to our ministry to children ages birth through fifth grade. And just like our church as a whole seeks to help people live a Christ-centered life, it is my passion and my wife's passion and those that serve on our team to help kids live a Christ-centered life. And as many of you know, we attempt to accomplish this through four main areas. Loving God, 
making friends, serving others, and sharing the story. For kids' life here at Canton, here's what that looks like. First, we have loving God. We accomplish this through what I simply call kids' church. You probably hear me talk about it all the time on Sunday mornings. We're going to kids' church. The kids are headed back to kids' church. And every Sunday, we offer four children's environments where kids can experience God at an age-appropriate level. Kids' Life Baby is ages birth through 23 months. Kids' Life Mini is ages 2 through 3. Kids' Life Junior is our pre-K kids and our kindergarten kids together. And Kids' Life is our ministry to children in first through fifth grades. It's in these environments where kids learn stories, truths, and principles from God's word, but also how to apply those stories, truths, and principles to their lives. Next, we have making friends. At Current, we accomplish this with special events and activities for kids and their families. Things like our recent trip to the bounce house or to go see a movie and get ice cream afterward at Minchie's. We're also considering ways that we can develop and implement life group style programming and other discipleship opportunities for our elementary age kids. After loving God and making friends, we have serving others. We accomplish this through opportunities like our kids crew, where children serve in various leadership roles within our elementary kids' church environment on Sunday mornings by running media, leading praise and worship, praying for others in the altar, and on and on and on. Other opportunities in this area are programs like Give a Kid a Chance, which we recently participated in, and we collected backpacks and school supplies for underprivileged children all across Cherokee County. And coming up this fall, and you'll be hearing more about this in the coming weeks, we'll be partnering with our missionaries in Cuba and raising funds to assist them in building wells in communities where the government has otherwise overlooked. And finally, after loving God, making friends, and serving others, comes sharing the story. We accomplish this at Current through hosting Friend Days on Sunday mornings like our recent Best Friends Day or Crazy Hair Day ice cream day. These events and others like them give kids an easy way to open up a conversation about Jesus with their friends and to invite them to church. We're also brainstorming some creative ways that we can continue to implement outreach events in this endeavor, such as our Easter egg hunt and even an Halloween alternative event or a VBS style event and things like that so that we can share the story to the community around us. And give kids the opportunity to do that as well. Our goal in all of this is to utilize each of these opportunities to partner with families like yours. And helping their children become mature followers of Christ as they transition from infancy to being a toddler. Through preschool into elementary school. Until finally, I hand them off to Trevor and his team for them to continue to build upon the foundation that was laid during their time in children's ministry. You know, Pastor Blake had started off by talking about when him and his wife Sarah had had Avery dedicated to the church. And, you know, when he was talking about that several weeks ago, when we started planning this and putting all of our notes and thoughts together, it really made me start thinking about, well, who are the people that kind of poured into my life? You know, I'm standing on this stage, and it's such an honor to be up here, and it's such an honor to be in front of you and to work for such an incredible church, but I am who I am 
I'm who I am and I have the passions and the hearts that I do so much because of the man that's sitting up here with me. See, when I was a junior in high school, or actually a sophomore in high school, halfway through my 10th grade year, Jeremy came on staff at Mount Perrin North, the Marietta campus, as the youth pastor. He was my youth pastor. And I can remember when he came in, I just knew right at his first Wednesday night when we all got to ask him some really, really tough questions before he was hired, that this was the guy that we needed. I can remember going to camps, I can remember going to retreats and watching him in the way that he loved us and watching him in the way that he cared for us and prayed for us and led us, it shaped who I am. He sent me a text a couple of weeks ago with this picture in it and it just said, this happened seven years ago today. And it's because of my relationship with my youth pastor with my leaders, with my friends, that I am who I am today. I ran across a statistic the other day from the USA Today. It said 7 in 10 people age 18 to 30 who went to church regularly in high school said they quit attending church by the age of 23. 70%. You know, I heard statistics like this when I was in high school, and I can remember sitting at camp one night with me and just a couple of my really close friends. And we knew statistics like this, and we had seen older people that had graduated already that didn't go to church anymore, and we, we challenged each other. Let's not be that statistic. Let's not fall into those gaps. And we started at that time, there was the new thing to do. We started a Facebook message that it just had all of us in a group that we continued for years. Now that's transferred into an iMessage. But it's that same group of guys that we keep in touch, that we keep up with each other. And the cool thing is with us challenging each other and with us under the leadership and us having a passion for each other and a love for each other, one of them is at Vanderbilt and Seminary getting his degree, his master's degree in theology. One of them is in New York as a youth pastor. One of them is at Lee University getting his master's in theology. One of them leads worship at a church. One of them's in the business world, but he's involved in his church leading a life group. Relationship is what got me where I am, and I believe with all of my heart that relationship is what gets everybody where they're at in church. See, myself and Pastor Jeremy and even Pastor Blake, we have such a strong desire to break these kind of statistics. We don't want to see 70% of the students walk away after church. And so as a church, and Pastor Blake's already ran through this once, but we believe that as a church we exist to help people live a Christ-centered life. And just like the kids, they believe that they're here to help kids live a Christ-centered life. As students, we want the same motto. We want to be a student ministry that helps students to live a Christ-centered life. And we do so again through four ways. First way is by loving God. For a long time, for a year and a half now, we've had a youth service that's met on Wednesday nights, and that's moving and transitioning to Sunday nights. Sunday nights starting tonight at 6 o'clock. In your worship guide, I think it says 7. That's a mistake on my part. I put the wrong information in. from. But at 6 o'clock tonight at the warehouse, we're going to have a youth service. It's going to be a loving, a loving God opportunity for students for middle school and high school students to come in. We have a worship band that does an incredible job of leading us in worship. And then I, myself, or a guest speaker, will get up, and we're going to share from our heart, and we're going to lead students, and we're going to talk to students about things that connect to students, how to help, how to help students to live a Christ-centered life. Second thing that we do is we give loving God, or making friends opportunities. We go on retreats. We go to summer camps. We go, went to a Braves game last week. 
but we do incredible things to help students to get, connect together, to build those relationships like I had, to build those relationships and to have those friendships that they can sit there and hold each other accountable and say, you know what? I'm not going to let you walk down that road. I'm not going to let you do those things. We went to summer camp this week, and I say it all the time, but my favorite two weeks of the year are middle school camp and high school camp. The relationships that are built, the life change that happens. This past spring, we went and rented a cabin up in North Georgia, up in Blue Ridge, and had an incredible time seeing the students connect and bond together and the relationships that were built and the moments of taking communions along, taking communion along that river at night by candlelight. It was an incredible opportunity for students to make friends. Serving others is our third one. We have students right now that serve in the nursery. We've got a student right now in the preschool serving. Every week we've got students that are showing up early and setting up pipe and drape because we believe it's important to start students off living a lifestyle of worship, living a lifestyle of having a servant's heart. And the final one is sharing the story. We've got some incredible students in this room, a part of this ministry that I believe in so greatly. I've had the honor and the privilege to hear some of their stories and walk through some things with them. But there are so many stories that I haven't been able to hear yet that I can't wait to the opportunity to hear them. August 31st of this month, I'm so excited that on that Sunday night in our youth service, we're going to have a couple of students share their story. I know these students' story, and it's incredible and it's powerful. And to be able to give students the opportunity to share what's on their heart, to share what God's done in their life, is incredible. So my hope, my goal, my prayer is as a church, we laugh in the face of that statistic. That 70% don't walk away after going through our children's programs, after going through our students' programs, connecting and building relationships with the leaders that help out in those areas whether through a movie night, whether going to a Braves game, whether through camp or in a service in here, we hope that some way that we do, that students can build a life with Jesus. There's three things that I want students to get out of our student ministry. The first is we want to be a student ministry that helps students to find purpose. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to give you a hope and a future. We want to be a student ministry that helps students to realize that God hasn't forgotten about them, that God loves them and God is walking with them. Second is we want to be a ministry that partners with parents. Parents, every Sunday night tonight starts at, at 6 o'clock, the same time we meet for a student ministry event. And Pastor Jamie is going to talk more about this in a minute. But we have a, a parents' life group. It's for parents to come together that are going through the same stages of life and to meet together, to pray together, and to talk together about what's going on in their life. We want to partner with families. And the third thing is we want to be a ministry that is welcoming and inviting. Middle school and high school can be some very difficult places. And we want to be a student ministry that connects with them, that way the moment they walk into the room, the moment they show up for one of our life groups, the moment they show up to go on a retreat with, they know that they are loved and that they are appreciated and that they are welcome there. I ran across this quote from Dr. Ken Hemphill, and I'll Finish with this and hand it back over to Pastor Jeremy. But it says, if we fail to hand to the next generation a vibrant, kingdom-focused faith, we could see the tragedy of churches that become a respected part of the landscape of American culture. 
a sort of historic relic of the past, but with little vitality or relevance for the modern day America. I, for one, am going to fight that. I, for one, am going to fight for the next generation because I believe in the next generation. They're world changers. We got two good guys up here. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there are some who have a philosophical problem with having a children's ministry, with having a student ministry, for that matter, for having a senior adult ministry. They have a problem with what they perceive to be some type of segregation within the church, that we segment the church into these different places based on age or stage of life or different things like that. I don't have that same aversion. I, I, I believe for a lot of reasons that it's a healthy model. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 says this to us. This is Paul writing. It says, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. And I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. Here's what we know. There is no more model family. I mean, you know, we, we've referenced it before even from this stage. There used to be this ideal modern family. It was, you know, two parents and 2.4 kids and a house and a picket fence and a dog or a cat if you're demon-possessed or like whatever it is. <laughs> I didn't say that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, don't, I didn't mean that, though. Trevor told me to say that. But, but there was this model family that doesn't exist anymore. 23%. Think about this. 23% of U.S. households are what we used to think was the model family. 23% are husband and wife in one home raising their own biological children. Only 23% of U.S. families fit that category. That doesn't make them any better or any worse than any other type of family. It's just to say that our culture has shifted in such a way that we have to be all things to all people in order that we might save some. So we want to have the most vibrant children's ministry that we possibly can. We want kids' life to be something that kids love and enjoy and want to come to and want to bring their friends to. We want to have the most vibrant student ministry. We want Sunday nights at Student Life, the worship service there. We want it to be fun and engaging. We want it to be deep. We want it to grow them and shape them and help to complement the things that you're teaching them at home. We want them to bring their friends and go on retreats and have fun and go to the Braves game and do all kinds of fun things. But ultimately, all that we do for children, all that we do for students, all that we do for adults is under one mission. To help people, including kids and students and adults, to live a Christ-centered life. That's what we're about. That's, what we're about. That's why we have ministries outside of children's ministry and student ministry. We, we do have life groups. It was referenced a couple of times. If you bring your student on Sunday night, beginning tonight at 6 o'clock, 
We've got a parent life group for parents of students so that you can get in the room and talk about what a horrible stage of life this is. You can share with one another and encourage one another. We have several different groups where, where parents of children or young marrieds or people of different life stages, and you, this is not just about kids today. If you don't have kids, that's okay. We want you to know that you're a part of a church that values families, which can be a single individual, which can be a couple with no kids. It can be a couple with their own kids, a couple with kids they don't even know that they just brought into their home. It's okay. Grandparents raising kids. Whatever your family makeup, you, you have a place here. You belong here. This is a place where we want to help you and help those that you have influence over to live a Christ-centered life. Beginning next week, for three weeks, you're going to hear about the launch of our fall semester of life groups. We've got brand new groups. We've got our existing groups that'll sign up for another semester. I encourage you, if you have never been in a life group, to sign up. I've said it a couple of times, and I'll say it again. Sign up for a group and go to their first meeting. And if you don't like them, then we'll get you another group. And we won't tell them that you don't like them. We'll just tell them that that night didn't work for you. You thought Thursdays were good, but they're not good for you anymore. And so we'll, we'll help you find a group. We want you to be in relationship with one another. And we want to help to provide those opportunities. You know, we believe as a church that it's our role to partner with you in helping you live a Christ-centered life. I told you a few minutes ago that I went this past week to the General Assembly of this global church that we're a part of. And while I was there, I, I saw a friend of mine. He is a missionary to Burma in Southeast Asia. And uh, he and I grew up in youth group together. And he's a missionary there now doing an incredible work, teaching English as a second language, doing ministry, training church planters from those nations to go back and plant churches in their own nation through various different means. It's incredible, but he's home right now. He's back here in the States. He's raising money. He's connecting with people that will provide support for him. And he's going to go back in just a few days. And I thought about the idea that he came home to be equipped, to be trained, to be resourced so that he could go back and do what God's called him to do. Well, guess what? Beginning tomorrow, many of our families go back into the mission field. School starts. Our, our grade schoolers and our middle schoolers and our high schoolers, even our college students, our teachers and our faculty members and our administrators that are part of the education system, you go back into one of the places that God has called you. And I realize that there's limitations if you're on staff somewhere about the things you can say. And I'm not telling you to jeopardize that. I'm telling you to be wise, you know, and, and, and do the things that God's equipped you uniquely to do. But you go into a place where you interact with people that God has uniquely given you into relationship. And so we want to close out this moment by just praying over all of our kids that are going back to school. All of those who are a part of the education system, whether you're a teacher, an administrator, a faculty member, in any capacity through our schools. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you are a student, I'm going to ask you and your parents to come to the front of any age. Kindergarten, maybe even preschool if they're in the room, all the way through college. My boys are jumping up. They're ready to go. If you're a, a faculty member in any capacity of any school system, I'm going to ask you to come to the front as well. And we want to just pray a prayer over you as you engage your mission 
beginning tomorrow. We got some kids walking in in the back. That's our new kindergarten class coming in right here. That's exciting to me. But they're going to come down front as well. Parents, if you see your new kindergartners come in, you can come and stand with them. I'm going to ask you to come as close to the front as you possibly can. If you're in the room, you're a student of any age, you're a parent of a student of any age, you're involved in the the school system in any role, I'm just going to ask you to come to the front. Just keep coming. Come as close as you can get all the way down here. And we want to pray over you, pray for you. If you're still sitting in your seats, I'm going to ask you to join with us in just a moment. You play a role in this as well in helping us as the church to partner with these families. Now, everybody that's down front, everybody that's down front, just kind of look at me. Just kind of look at me. Trevor's going to take a picture. He's going to do it. Just act, act like you don't even see him taking a picture, right? But here's what I want you to do. I want you looking at me. I'm going to ask Pastor Blake to pray over all of our grade school kids and families and teachers and administrators and faculty. I'm going to ask Pastor Trevor to pray over all of our middle school and high school families and administrators and faculty members. And I'm going to pray over all of our college students and the rest of us as our families, okay? So we're just going to one by one just kind of pray. And as we do, I'm just going to ask you that are standing here just to pray over your family, to pray over your job as a school employee. And if you're sitting in your seats, I'm just going to ask you to just kind of stretch your hands this way and pray over these folks with us, okay? Pastor Blake. information as they educate those that are in their class or but even over and above that as you grant them success on an educational level I pray that you would open up other doors for these boys and girls and these men and women God that you would open up doors for them to be able to not just impart math problems and vocabulary words but that you would open up doors for them to impart the life-giving message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that on the soles of the feet of these people, Lord, that every single square inch of school tile and carpet and the campus that is walked upon by the soles of their feet, God, that, that that would be territory that is claimed for you and for your kingdom on this earth. And Father God, Lord, as these doors begin to open for these students and for the teachers and the faculty members, I pray that you would give them the courage and the boldness to walk through them and to open their mouth and depend on you to fill it with words that will go forth, speak into the lives of those that are around them, and that will extend the message of hope and love and grace that your gospel has to offer. And that through that, hearts and lives would be changed and souls would be claimed for you and that your kingdom would be built in and through their efforts this school year. In Jesus' name. God, right now, I just lift up every middle schooler. God, I lift up every high schooler. I lift up every teacher, every staff member, every faculty, every staff that ever walks into any middle school and any high school in Cherokee County, God, or anywhere else that is 
that is in this room. God, right now, I just pray for the middle school students, Father, that, God, middle school can be an awkward time. It can be a difficult time. God, it can be difficult for those sixth graders that are starting middle school for the very first time, God. God, give them peace tonight when they go to bed. God, don't let the nerves get to them. Don't let them be anxious about anything, but pray about everything. God, I pray for those middle school students. I, God, I pray for their relationship with their teacher. Help them to connect with their teacher. Help that to be a good relationship. Help for a good, open communication all semester long, all school year long. God, I pray for the high schoolers. I pray that they make wise choices. I pray that if some of them are getting close to having to make a decision for college, God, I pray you give them wisdom. Give their parents wisdom. Help those relationships to bond and grow closer together, Father God. God, I pray that every student that is in this place, as they walk into their school tomorrow, that they know that they are carrying the name of Jesus. That in every decision they make, every friendship they build, every communication that they have with anybody walking through the hallway, that God, they are a light. That they are a light in the darkness. That God, help them to do the Great Commission. Help them to carry that out. Help them to know that God has called them and placed them and put them exactly where they are for a purpose. And God, help them to know that they don't have to walk this alone. That when they're in school, when they feel lonely, when they feel hurt, God, help them to know that you are there with them. God, I pray against procrastination, Father God. God, I pray that as they get assigned projects, as they get assigned homework and schoolwork, God, I pray that they, they tackle the task, that they don't put it aside, that they don't have incompletes. God, that they do their work and they do it as doing everything unto you, God. God, pray. I pray for the teachers. I pray for the faculty. I pray for the staff, God. God, help them to lead these students in wisdom. Help them to lead these students. Give them the knowledge that they need going forward in life, God. We ask this all in your name. God, finally, I close our prayer here just to pray for our college students. God, many of them walk on to secular campuses where their faith will be tried and tested. The statistics that Trevor read today that such a, a vital part of their faith journey as they walk into this phase of life. I pray now for your strength. I pray, God, that you would cement in their hearts and their minds the truth and the foundation of who you are. That, God, as they are tested and tried, as they are challenged, as life experience would weigh on them and they would be pulled in all different directions, God, I pray that they would be rooted in your word. They would be rooted in who you are, God, what you desire them to be. I pray for all of our school administrators, faculty members, teachers. God, I pray your blessings over them for this coming school year. And God, finally, I close to pray a very personal prayer for this campus that we meet on. I pray, God, for Sequoia High School. I pray, God, from the principal to the administrators to the teachers to the students to the staff of this school that this would be a place where, God, you can be felt. God, I know it's a, it's a public education institution, but, God, I pray that the seeds that we plant in our gatherings together would create a space that your presence would be here and it would be felt, that the teachers that are a part of this campus, the administrators that are a part of this campus that know you, God, that they would know we're joined together with them and that we pray over them in this school, that, God, our gathering here would not just last while we're on this campus, that, God, seeds would be planted and your presence would be felt seven days a week, 365 days a year. We thank you for that. God, we give our families, our students, our teachers and administrators to you now. In 
Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can we all put our hands together as you make your way back to your seats?